You're listening to 50% Facts, the show where we're building a health and fitness resource by trying to answer a single question every week just based on what we already know. Or maybe what we think we know. Then we bring in the world's leading expert to tell us what we got right and what we got wrong. I'm Jim McDonald. And I'm Mike Farr. Welcome to our show. What do you think? <laughs> so I'm, I've been debating in my brain to get a, a, a little dog. Uh, uh-huh. to, a, a little, you're talking a little dog? No, probably a large dog, actually. I don't really like little dogs, even though I, I've had one my whole life. Um, I guess I've had both. I don't even know what breed this is. Do you think, this is a question, do you think, maybe Connor will answer this one, the variety in humans looks... Mm-hmm. They're probably less than the variety in, in dog looks. Oh, I know I could have put that a lot fancier, but I know what you're saying. How much the cosmetic the, appearance? Dog, dogs have a dramatic amount within of the genetic species. variation. Yeah, yeah, super. Dramatic. Why don't we? Why don't we try to breed more humans like that? And I know people are gonna be like, oh, we did, and eugenics. <laughs> yeah, eugenics. That's, that's yeah. That's war now. Yeah, ch- ch- choosing eye color and stuff, right? Uh yeah, and like. And the hair color and the guy in the doctor in China that's using CRISPR to, uh, to yeah to solve genetic diseases in embryos or whatever that that's scary. People are scared of that. Um, but like some of it, um, like if you didn't know, if you didn't like grow up in on Earth and you didn't know about dogs and you see like you know bull terriers, uh-huh. those are weird. <laughs> that's an alien ass looking dog. Yeah. And then you see like a Labrador. Yeah. And like not only how they act, or then you see a Great Dane. Yeah. And then you see like a, a husky. Yeah. And then you see like a pug. Yeah. Those are like four different species in my yeah. head. But if you take like like a French bulldog and a Great Dane and put them side by side, that's like different world. Yeah. That's like uh. Uh. Michael Jordan standing next to I think, a, a jockey. I think you know? more extreme, don't you think? Maybe even so, yeah. Yeah, if you take LeBron James and shove him next to Connor. Well, it, it is more extreme because human bodies all basically yeah, the look face the even. same. Even the face is but so the, similar. Yeah, but the the morphology differences, yeah. the shape differences of dogs are is are definitely greater. Than I don't know if it's because I'm getting old and whatever, but like the dog show on Thanksgiving is one of my favorite things now. Oh, the, I don't like the parade. But I was watching the the National Dog Show, and I was watching that, and I forgot who won. It was a cute-ass dog that won. I think it was an English Bulldog that won. Cute as shit. Cute as shit. An English Bulldog compared to other animals. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like the humans, like our eyes are what? Like what's the maximum our eyes are different? Like centimeters, maybe an inch apart, right? Like someone's got wider eyes or close. Like it's so similar. Like a Bulldog, a Bull Terrier, sorry. A Bull Terrier looks like a shark. Mm. Right, and then a lab looks like a like a like the, looks uh, like a, a giant smile, yeah, a like giant a, furry, smile. yeah, a teddy bear wolf. That's yeah. what it looks like, yeah. you know. It looks like a soft wolf, and then a great dane literally looks like a fucking horse. Did you see that? Uh, they or a did, mastiff? Yeah, like some mastiffs look like fucking bears. Yeah, <laughs> they do. Have you seen? Well, in my Bernays Mountain Dogs are some of my favorite. I know. I've been trying to find dogs. a rescue. I've tried to find a rescue. Oh, they're really hard to find. Yeah, impossible. They're super expensive. If you buy, if you get a puppy. Yeah, I'm not doing. Oh, it. I'm only Lord. getting rescues. Oh Lord! Very very. Expensive. I'm gonna save a life. How to save a life? Yeah, I don't. But so, and the same topic: choosing a breed. Uh huh. So difficult. 
Yeah, my my problem is that I'm a giant sucker for labs. Yeah, and nothing sheds like a lab. Yeah, so I'm trying to take all that into account. Like my lifestyle, like I can walk this guy and play with him pretty good. There's a dog park by mm-hmm. me, but I need a lazy dog because like I'm at my desk, especially like 2020. Like I'm back to grind mode. Like you and I have a project top secret that we're mm-hmm. gonna work on. Uh, obviously, all my other work, I'm gonna go back to Twitch. Like I need a dog that can just lay behind me. Like mm-hmm. I can't play with it all day, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not the hiker. Like I can't go hiking three times a week, mm-hmm. or I'm not the jogger. I can walk them and take care of them, but mm-hmm. so you got to take that into account. My house is new, has some wood floors. So you got to yep. take some of that into account. Yep. Hair, like I grew up with um, a flat uh, coat retriever. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys know what that is, but it's like even hairier than a retriever. Mm-hmm. And like I don't really mind. I don't mind the hair on me, but I do mind vacuuming twice a day. Like that's not in my. That's habits. where I live. Yeah, with in vacuuming twice a day, yeah. and especially with all this stuff going on in the house right now, like it's trying to dust. keep dog hair out of out of. Um, out of paint. Yeah, impossible. Like every corner of your house gets full of spider webs and dog hair. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't have the patience for that. It, and I just I, I put down uh, new wood floors in a room that didn't have wood floors before. And so literally, like it's every day you're running something through there to, because otherwise it accumulates yeah, super fast. It really it's does. ridiculous. And then, uh, again, I don't mind it like on my couch or on my body. That doesn't bug me, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, it'll get gross or it's just everywhere. I, One, mind, the, I mind the cleaning up of it. Yeah, and I, I'm not a big fan of dogs that bark a lot. My my yeah. current 12 year old lab has still a lot of energy in the house. Yeah, like if you take her for a walk, she only wants to go so far now. But in the house, she still has a lot Jamming. of energy. She's like, she wants you to pet her. It's not that she's giving you affection; is that you? She wants you to give her affection. Yeah, and so affectionate dogs—that's a big thing I'm taking into account. Like I need a dog that can like chill and want to hang with me. I don't yeah. like the independent dog. That's why I don't love cats and all these little cat people big, are going to hate on me. But they're I'm not just, a big cat fan. They're just independent, and that's cool. And I understand they're a little easier to take care of. But that's not. But they're for like me. fish. Yeah, that's not for me. Fish that shit in your house. Yeah. That's you know, yeah, not for me. And I know some are like, well, my cat. I'm like, I'm sure your cat's lovely, but it's not yeah. for me. Um, same thing, barking. Like, I don't mind a dog that barks and like kind of guard dog, but I don't need a guard dog per se. Like, my house is pretty safe, and there's three dudes in there. And, like, I'm not too worried. Um, energy level shedding. And then affection. Like, I need a dog with a brain and affection, which is a lot of things. But so, stand by. You have three dudes right now. Three dudes. Kyle's living with us. Oh, okay. Yeah. Big Kyle. Big Kyle. What a bum. Yeah, he's living there. That's cool. Yeah, Yeah, so I'm thinking bulldog-ish breeds, American bulldog or a mix or whatever, Mm. Um, but I do want a rescue, which is hard to, we'll see. We had a pit mix for years, and it was, she was the sweetest dog, but boy, was she dumb. Yeah, see, I hate dumb dogs. It's yeah. like, and, the, and obviously you can't choose because it, it is a little bit like humans. Like within a breed, there could be smart ones and dumb ones. Yeah. Like, uh, but it, like you're like, fuck, man. I, I, a dumb dog really does piss me off. And I don't need it to be, you know, solving fucking equations or yeah. you know, a show dog. But I, I just I need some kind of connection to that thing. Our our first lab was a really, really, really smart, intuitive. Like, some labs can be really dumb reading, too. Mind reading dog. Yeah, I like that. That's kind of like my dog now, I feel like. She seldom barked. She... um she had other ways to get your attention. Yeah, she yeah. was really good at communicating. She had a big vocabulary. You could tell her just whatever, and she would go do it. Yeah. My current dog, which I've obviously had for nearly 12 years, not that dog. Yeah, some labs she's are a really dumb. Big dark, big barker. She's not dumb, but she's wily. Yeah, her little derpy. Uh, she could be derpy. Here's how she's derpy. If you're walking someplace and she in the house and she's with you, she'll figure out how to be in front of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like cross in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Not just walk alongside of you in front of you, but literally cross in front of you. Like her her flank is in your way. Yeah, my mom's little dog is like that now. And yeah, she was always like that, but now she's deaf. And so like before she was good at like you say like move or get out the mm-hmm. way. She was really smart, but now she's deaf. That's so she's right. like freaking, yeah, so annoying. You're stepping on her 20 times a day. 
Yeah, you can't put hearing aids on a dog. No, and she's for like fourteen or something. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. My my wife thinks we're taking a dog break um, after this one. Yeah, and I don't really think that that's happening. Yeah, hit me on Twitter. What do you? What dog breed do you guys think um, I should get? And hit Jim. Tell him your favorite dog breed. Silent Mike. Two Ks. And if if you're a cat lover, I'm I'm completely fine with you being a cat lover, and I'm completely fine with you having cats. I just don't need any in my house, and I'm like. Yeah, I thought about it. Seventy-five percent allergic. I'm not. Yeah, yeah I'm not yeah. like allergic, allergic, but same. they make me sneeze when I'm around them. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. And I thought about a cat, but like I just don't feel like they snuggle the same. I love my big dog. That's at my mom's right now. I just like being able to lay with them or fight with them, or it's just different having a big dog. I feel like than even a little dog. Which one's your cat? Cassius, the Cassius big one. Big, yeah, yeah. yeah. How just, big is big? Eighty-five pounds, maybe. Oh, that's pretty big. That's yeah, he's bigger than thick. my dog. And he's not like tall. He's tall-ish. Um, he's probably the same height as your dog. I'd imagine he's about the height of a retriever, but he's just thick. He's really. Dense. Uh, our dogs probably never weighed more than fifty pounds. Yeah, that's another thing to take into account. Like, I would, I wouldn't mind a Great Dane, but I have three flights of stairs in my house. Oh, you know, so like, I don't know if that thing can handle it. And it can, they can be short lived too. Yeah, They're that's really sad. Big dogs, that's yeah. why I got the other thing with the rescuing is like I do want to rescue, but I, I want like a, uh, some kind of child. I don't want to rescue a six year old and go through an emotional roller coaster in three years. Yeah, I ain't got all that in me. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, though, I have a friend who has um, uh, just recently, just in the last week, gotten a uh, retired yeah. greyhound. Yeah, yeah. They're pretty quiet in the house. Yeah. They're not big burgers. They're, They're not that affectionate, though. That's why I've, I've ruled them out for me. Hers is pretty affectionate. Oh, that's good. Yeah, pretty affectionate. I've hung out with some, and they just feel a little. But I think we mentioned earlier that they're a little bit socially awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Socially awkward dog. Yeah. And I've never seen like a puppy ground, so maybe it is different. I've only seen retired ones too. Uh, we yeah. were looking at rescuing one, but uh, I didn't love the vibe. I need like a yeah. I just love English bulldogs. Uh, Bootsy, our old gym dog. Yeah, like, I like the, they're just happy, smart enough, cute. Bootsy though was a willful thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. He 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 asserted his dominance yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. That's another reason I want a baby. Let him yeah. know who the boss is early. Because I can't grab like a three-year-old and that thing's all alpha already. I'll try to pin it and bite me. I grab a little baby. I'll teach it, teach it its way. Right, right, right. But I don't love German Shepherds. They're beautiful. I, they are, and they shed a lot. And then also I feel like their personalities are a little bipolar. Like some are the sweetest, like most loyal mm-hmm. thing, and some are a little too independent for me. Mm-hmm. And that's, actually, that's a good... Um, that's a good argument for getting a rescue dog or or taking a dog that has to be rehomed. Yeah, or a mutt. Yeah, mixes just they just tend to be a little bit more. And if they've been around a little while, people have observed their behavior. You have a better idea what yeah. you're getting. Yeah, yeah. I think, but um, I think about dogs that were super cute. Like um, uh, Cove used to have that dog. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, what was his name? I forgot. I just who knows? It was like a wiener. Radar. It, yeah, yeah, because it, had... it was like a wiener German Shepherd looking dog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it it could be super sweet, but it also could be just yeah, it was super biting. It was nasty. Trying, yeah, I was trying to bite and bark at a bunch of cats in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah it would get, it I get hate nuts. That. And then at kind of in the end, like I think the reason that, in, in, that dog ended up going back to wherever it came from was it just got it. It, it didn't like to be alone, so it was on Prozac for a while. Yeah, and yeah. it went off Prozac, and it was super cranky all the time. And I think it's like it got, quit smoking, and then you know he got that when it was like three or something already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a, and it, I do feel for those dogs. I don't think I'm cold hearted out there, people. Like I understand they've been through trauma and they need homes as well, but just not my home. Well, they need they need to be they need to be people who have a better facility for dealing with dogs that have yeah. issues and training them towards. Even if I had a yard, yeah, it'd be easier. Yeah. I ain't got a yard. Yeah, I have a yard, but I sort I have I've divided my yard so the dog hasn't have full access to the whole thing because I don't want to pick up poop everywhere. Yeah, that's not funny. <clears throat> I I 
I stepped in some last night. I was not happy. Yeah. I was not happy. That's one thing. Rain I guess. and dog yeah. poop. Yeah, a little uh, mud. No fun. None whatsoever. So uh, our topic, intuitive. We're hitting all your trends, kids. Eating. We talked carnivore, I think. If not, we were going to. We talked keto for sure. We, we definitely we talked vegetarian. Carnivore. All these things. Um we haven't really explicitly talked if it fits your macros, but like yeah, it's been beaten to. But but a number of people that we've talked to over the last year are people who uh, uh, definitely believe that's a good approach. Yeah, I think all of it. You know, there's different categories, even though they all just get thrown into diets. Mm-hmm. They are like different. Some and maybe this is just my head. These diets, I think, all tend to be gimmicky. Um, something like flexible dieting or intuitive eating are also gimmicky in terms that everything needs a name and a label, but they're just like labeled. And so then because of that fact in the internet, Mm -hmm. they become gimmicky, even though they're not. To me, they're more diet strategies or Mm -hmm. nutritional strategies. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's something like me and um, I think Jim as well are more behind or or more, I don't preach it, but it's something more I would teach or or, or get behind because it is a strategy that hopefully allows for adherence over the long term. And that's the goal here where I just don't think these gimmicks, something like keto, and you see it. I mean, you see it on the internet where everyone chooses what they show you. So we don't even know what they're not doing. But Mm -hmm. even on the internet for these people that are so keto or so intermittent fasting or so this and that are like basically showing you their eating disorders where they'll not eat for a day and then binge out on ice cream and steak or they'll only eat steak for a week and then all of a sudden now they're eating a whole loaf of bread. Um, We've known people who said they were keto. But then you have a conversation with them about what they actually eat. Yeah, or or they're eating donuts. and I mean, all these people, and I'm not trying to, you know, demonize any of these types of foods, but I'm just saying that you get stuck on these labels and stuck in these diets like they're religion where something like flexible dieting used as a strategy, use it, you know, basically as a way to teach moderation, to understand calories, to mm-hmm. understand macronutrients or intuitive eating, which I guess is the next evolution of that, where hopefully you have an understanding of, um, protein, carbs, fats, what's in what kind of food, um, how many calories, what's a serving size, what's mm-hmm. a portion, what does your body actually need um, in terms of amounts and calories to gain weight, to maintain and lose. Once you kind of get a vibe for that, then um, this next evolution, which is has a gimmicky label called intuitive eating, um, hopefully just becomes you making good decisions. Um, and that's, I think, what the basis of intuitive eating is. There's probably a better definition, but... So I'm, I, don't, I don't really know, and I didn't look up on purposefully, didn't look up what intuitive eating actually entails is it only eating when you're hungry so i think you know only eating or is it is it an informed intuitive is like if i'm gonna eat i know that this is this and that is that and so you don't have to you don't have to count macros or that kind of stuff because you've internalized it yeah i don't know i don't really know and i think it is a loose thing because it is like kind of a newish term Um, to me, that's definitely what it is. Like, all right, I already have the general knowledge of what my body needs for what my goal is. Mm -hmm. And intuitive eating probably isn't for someone trying to go to the Olympics. And it probably isn't for someone trying to step on stage. Um, but for the majority of people that listen to the podcast, us who are, you know, athletes or or like to look good or like to feel good or like to perform well, Mm -hmm. even, um, I mean, the truth is, is if you're trying to go to the Olympics, if you're trying to be the best powerlifter or bodybuilder on the planet, um, you probably should take every step you need to get there. And that probably entails weighing every single meal. Like, that's just the truth. And is that the most mentally healthy thing ever? Probably not. Probably not. No extreme is. Yeah. No extreme um, is made for longevity. 
mm-hmm. right? Why why does a Honda Civic go up to 250,000 miles easily with no mm-hmm. check-ins? And, you know, if you're revving a freaking race car, it probably doesn't. It's not going to last as long. Why is a Corvette less reliable? It's right. just how it goes. And that's the same with your lifestyle and your goals itself. And that's what people don't want to talk about. doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong, but it's probably not the best for longevity and mental health. Yeah, and I think that um, a thing that people lose sight of going in to any uh, one of these diet packages is uh, how their own body and mind will perform under those circumstances. Because like, there's no point in sticking to a diet that your body doesn't like. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I mean, this is purely anecdotal, but I've heard from more than one person I've experienced it myself when eating in a keto style, if you... If you have some kind of digestive problem, yeah, you're shitting your brains out all day. You, you yeah, you could, you could definitely create a problem like that. Yeah. And then I remember back um, doing you know the carb night style where you're not eating carbs yeah. most of the day, and then binging, and then binging, <laughs> and the binging makes you shit your brains out. Yeah, and it's not actually supposed to be binging, but of but course it turns what into it that. turns into. Yeah. And that's yeah. all this. The same with the keto guys, right? They're going <clears throat> oh three days on, one day off, refuel. Like you're not refueling. You're just, just sweet cravings just kick yeah. in. Like you don't need to refuel depending on your goals. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100. I think one, um, one it, one part of t- intuition has to be I feel like shit. Yeah, is this good for me? <laughs> is this good for me? Uh, yeah, I think I think there's two things that go along with I I, I hate um, like the snowflake idea out there, like oh, like my body adapts better to this training, and my body adapts better to this, and like what Jim just described is the individuality of diets. What can you mentally stick to, mm-hmm. um, and that like fits your lifestyle, fits your goals, and fits your appetite? Because if you really don't like sweets, maybe a ketogenic style diet may may work just great for you if you're in control of your calories. And then two, um, I think it's less snowflakey, but it does play a role. What do you digest well? What sits in your stomach well? Mm-hmm. What gives you energy? Do fats give you more energy? Do carbs like what do you mentally feel better mm-hmm. on? I mentally, I haven't eaten today. I mentally feel um, better at speaking and, and, and cognitively a little bit better with just a little coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. I had a cappuccino, so sure, I had some calories. <clears> I'm not like claiming I'm Mr. Fasted or anything, and I would never push that on anybody. But when I'm going to podcast, I do better with that rather than eating a burrito, coming here and feeling lethargic. Those little individualities do matter. It's not those people out there like, oh, my body doesn't eat carbs. I store carbs more. You don't store carbs that much more than anybody else. Shut the fuck up. Like all our, like we're not that individually um, different in the amount of calories we can handle. We're more individually different in the amount of exercise and calories we burn because some people are more lethargic. Some people are, my foot's going nuts over here with my ADHD Mm -hmm. kicking around. Like those little things play more of a role. Um, Was that called neat? Yeah, yeah, neat yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. How much you walk? Uh, How uh, much you twitch? Any of it, right? Um, I don't. I don't mean stream twitch. Yeah, I mean yeah, like, yeah. Like if you're a twitchy person, if you never, if you if walk never, to work, bike yeah. to work, opposed to you know you sit in a car for an hour, or sit at a desk, opposed to being a construction worker, right. et cetera, et cetera. Those play more of a role. But yeah, it's the adherence you can stick to, and that's where. I think intuitive eaters, again, it's a strategy because it doesn't tell you foods you can and cannot eat. You can intuitive eat and be on a ketogenic style diet. You can intuitive eat and be in a you know bodybuilding uh, style diet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but maybe uh, our guest, which I bet he does, has some kind of at least statistical analysis on success and some strategies that maybe uh, Jim and I don't know. Well, since we only apparently know so much about this topic, we're going to go right now and talk to... Miguel Blacout. Intuitive eating. Intuitive eating. What the hell is it? 
And why are people's <laughs> intuitions so bad? <laughs> I think that's the real issue. Everyone intuitive eats. Like, I intuitively really need a brownie right now. Yeah. I'm just not correct with my intuitions. <laughs> I would, uh, yeah, right there, yes. High five on that. I, I could eat a brownie about right now. Yep. And if somebody brought me a double espresso and a brownie right now, I would intuitively want to eat that for sure. I feel hypocritical <laughs> talking about all these health things all the time because I'm just a real fuck up. <laughs> I, like, I know undiagnosed that I definitely have issues with food. Like, uh, if there's food in my roommate makes fun of me, but, like, if there's food in the house, I'm going to eat it. Like, regardless of how much pizza I've had <laughs> or haven't had, if it happens to be in the house, my fridge looks like the typical, like, bachelor dude fridge where it's, like, diet soda and a bottle of ketchup and, like, one beer floating uh-huh. around. Because if there's, like, pizza or anything delicious, it's gone. I'm eating that. Yeah. I, I just spent the last, like, eight, nine weeks, you know, alone three days a week or more. Because uh, my wife's traveling for work a bunch, and like sometimes I ate great, sometimes I like stayed on top of it and cooked ahead and all that kind of stuff. And other times I was busy and I just didn't give a fuck. And it's a sandwich here and a burrito there, and yeah, it happens. Yeah, Miguel, help us. What's into yeah, intuitive so. eating, and 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 how can me and Jim do it better? <laughs> Well, first of all, I, 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 I agree with your gentleman's struggles. I'm a grad student at Columbia, New York City. My fridge has been empty for the last four months. Like, it, nothing has happened there at all. Yeah, Uber Eats. Uber Eats. Sponsor us. Uber Eats. Well, like, Uber, not just Uber Eats, but, like, I walk down, like, a block, and there's, like, six delicious food trucks. Like, what am I supposed to do with myself here? Yeah, it is hard. Even uh, <laughs> Sacramento is obviously insanely smaller compared to New York, but living in like a metro area, there's food everywhere. Like when I used to live in the suburbs, <laughs> yeah, like it'd make me cook because I'm like, I'm not going to drive 10 minutes to go get food. But downtown, you're like, man, it's, it's a hop, skip, and a jump to get whatever food I want. Unless you're trying to eat it, you know, like after nine o'clock at night in Sacramento. That's just Sacramento. It's, what is that? Yeah, I don't know. Everything they closes. Basically, yeah. Closes. yeah, New York, though, you get food anywhere, anytime. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Literally. Yeah, I'd be 400 pounds. <laughs> yeah so um intuitive eating i I think that intuitive eating is quite an interesting topic um one of the reasons that i think it's interesting is because there's so much misinformation about it so intuitive eating really what it is is eating without putting any rules upon yourself or um trying to track macros or really having any type of structured uh, guidelines that you imp- put on yourself up- upon what you will eat, when you will eat, and any of those things. And I think that a, that a very, very important distinction to make is that intuitive eating is very different from not tracking macros because this is something that I'll typically see on Instagram. People will be like, "Oh, like I'm intuitively eating," and it's like, "No, you're not. You're just not. You're just not tracking macros. Your eating behavior is still just as disordered." And like you will see that some people will be like, "I'm intuitively eating," but like for breakfast, they'll have like. They'll, they'll make like cauliflower oats and they'll make like, they'll just find ways to make their, their, their egg omelet weigh like 20 pounds because of so much volume they put in it. They'll have like a 50 pound salad. <laughs> then for like dinner, they'll eat the, like a 60 pound salad plus like three tubs of Halo Top and they'll be like, I'm eating intuitively. It's like, no, Halo Top like, sucks. Just... <laughs> Can we put that out there? Yeah. Stop saying it's it... good, internet. That shit <laughs> sucks. Like, I've had... light movie night. That's the worst thing. Frozen ice with a sprinkle. Of lem- <laughs> Everyone made like Lacroix uh, jokes, like the Lacroix yeah, jokes. But Halo Top is really the. It's the same thing. It's the same. It's idea, frozen yeah. Lacroix. Like yeah. it's so gross. There's not much flavor, and, and no one makes fun of it. And, and there's and it's full of air. It's nothing. It's yeah, nothing. It's, so you could just grab that in your hand and then grab a Ben and Jerry's and feel like the happiness. Yeah, of ben one and of them Jerry's. weighs something, and the other one doesn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you took. Maybe a uh, like a sixth of a Ben and Jerry's uh, 
uh, pint yeah. and just blew air in it, you'd yeah. have Halo Yeah, it's helium ice cream. I think yeah. it'd be better. Like, if you just blew air and, like, water to Ben Jerry's, it would still be better than yeah. I don't know why it's so bad, and everyone says it's not that bad. I'm like, yeah. not that bad? What the hell does that yeah. mean? Apologizing to our advertising agency. We, 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 we'll, yeah, we'll totally Look, roll over a dollar, on Look, for yeah. a dollar, I'll sell some ice, but I'm not going to say it's the best ice cream in the world. No. Uh, here in New York, we got Ample Hills, and we got uh, Cool House, and it's just like ice cream is forever ruined after that. Yeah, Everything Cool is House so is legit. <laughs> uh, I legit. have not had that. I will be in New York next month. I will have to find we that. We have some. Yeah, I think our Whole Foods has Cool House. Really? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Uh, what I need is something <laughs> dangerous. Really, How we're going to get into ice cream for just a second here. The vanilla ice cream at... Trader Joe's is the best vanilla ice cream in the world. Shout out to Sacramento because we are a foodie town. There's this place called Devil May Care. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had that DoorDash to my house because I was too lazy to leave. It was raining. <laughs> they made a salted cookies and cream ice cream. It was the best oh, substance I've ever put. I've never done drugs, but I imagine it was very similar to what like a heroin experience would feel like. It was so good. It was. I ate a pint. I order ice cream for the roommates sometimes, and like I'll just like order like five pints, and we'll just pound. Them. They think I'm crazy, and I am. But devil may care. If you guys want to sponsor me, holy shit! Ice cream is your brown brown. Anyway. Yeah, oh my god, ice cream is life, and not Halo Top. Whatever the fuck substance that is. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most ever make care you've eaten one day? Uh, just two pints. Two pints. <laughs> I think it's a pint. They had a... Uh, just two pints. And so it's one casual. sitting. It's not even a day. I was just too lazy to get more of it. Uh, it was a salted <laughs> salted cookies and cream. And then it wasn't even that good. It was actually kind of gross. It was... Uh, <laughs> It was Lucky Charms ice cream, and I don't even oh. like Lucky Charms. Lucky oh, Charms is kind of oh, nasty, uh, but the texture and flavor of the ice cream itself, it could have been poop flavored, and I probably would have eaten it because the texture, <laughs> texture is so it. good. Really will fuck you yeah, up. Yeah, that Lucky Charms, that's the uh, uh, voodoo donutsing of ice cream right there. Yeah, and if they would have <laughs> chose a different cereal, it would have been better, like a Reese's Puffs or even a Frosted Flakes or something like that. It just Lucky Charms is trash. Honey Nut Cheerios. I love them. I, lo- I, I love I Raisin like Bran. If anyone out there even says Lucky Charms is better than Raisin Bran, Raisin Bran is another thing that gets memed as a bad cereal. Raisin Bran is delicious. I just don't like raisins. Yeah, that's fair. If you don't like raisins, but it's way better. But, than but, but rum Raisin Bran? Lo- oh, I'm sure it's delicious. Lucky Charms <laughs> tastes like plastic marshmallow made love with Halo Top. <laughs> Fuck your Lucky Charms. <laughs> I, 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 lo- I love the, the, the charms, though. Like The, the, the other pieces are just... just their branding's I, I great. I like the marshmallows. Yeah, their branding's yeah. great. Their substance is trash. None of the uh, marshmallows taste any different from each other. They don't taste like marshmallow no, either. No. They taste like I don't know what. I don't know. I give up. Back anyway, to intuitive eating. Yeah, we rant, that's the first rant I've probably done on this real podcast. So you guys are welcome for that. I also had my first energy drink in six months, so maybe that's where my rants have been hiding. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I quit all caffeine for like three weeks without any prob- problem, but now I'm back and yeah, I'm, I would die. Yeah, you, the way you just described intuitive eating sounded like it's like the uh, the paradise communism of this nutrition battle, like this this thing that'll never happen. Do you think intuitive right, eating is possible? I, I think it's definitely possible. I think that so I, I think that there's kind of two two extremes that we kind of need to juggle between. First of all, there's the intuitive eating that kind of gets promoted everywhere. Um, and that's the intuitive eating where you're literally not caring about anything that you're eating. You're just if you see a donut, you'll eat that. If you see a piece of pizza, you'll eat that. Um, and, and, and I don't think that that's the, kind of the appropriate measure either. And then there's like extreme tracking where 
all you're doing is like you're always weighing out your food. You're always putting it on my fitness pal. Or maybe you have something like an orthorexia nervosa type thing where you have to eat from this from this like list of foods and you have these like very, very strict rules upon yourself. I don't truly believe in either approach. Um, and I think that people who haven't actually read the literature on intuitive eating tend to promote the the, the former where you're just uh, going ahead and you're, and you're eating whatever. True intuitive eating is becoming informed about food and, and, and seeing what food contains, maybe the calories, seeing what's a, what's a high calorie food versus a low calorie food. And using those decisions in combination with your with your hunger and kind of knowledge of what you've eaten before to try to, to, to make a more informed decision about eating. It is removing all guilt from what you're eating and removing all shame from what you're eating, but still being able to kind of have an informed decision. So it's like, Let's say, for example, right now, I know that I ate a big ass sub for lunch, which I did. Intuitive eating would be like if I see a, a, a cheesecake and I'm like, okay, well, this is definitely going to put me in a caloric surplus, be able to eat that and not feel restricted and not feel like I'm doing anything wrong. Just being like, okay, well, like I want that cheesecake and I'm not, I'm not going to feel any, any, any bad about it. Or like if I see a salad, I'm going to eat that, but the, I won't eat the salad because it has low calories and I won't eat the cheesecake because like I need, I need to somehow relieve some, some type of stress. Um, but the important part about intuitive eating is that it is not meant as a weight loss or weight gain method. It is simply intended to keep your weight where it's at and kind of keep you uh, at a nice, comfortable settling point. And I think that intuitive eating catches a lot of flack by evidence-based people um, because people will be like, oh, intuitively gain weight or intuitively lose weight. And, you know, people will call it out and be like, no, you can't just like lose weight and, and, and not track your macros or you can't lose, lose lose weight without like paying attention to what you're eating like no 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 really intuitive eating wasn't meant for that and where things really start to get concerning is when evidence-based people kind of get caught up in their evidence-based throne and don't actually read the evidence on intuitive eating because there is quite a bit of, of scientific evidence to back up the fact that intuitive eating is possible and intuitive eating seems to be very beneficial for individuals who have had disordered eating who have had things like maybe like bulimia or binge eating and those and all those things. But for some reason, it has almost become like a taboo where I will see people who like, I won't name names, but I will see very big names within our industry get asked about intuitive eating and they'll like ridicule it. They'll say, no, it's stupid. But it's like it, it, if you were to apply the same scientific uh, sort of curiosity that you do to intuitive eating with intuitive eating that you do to like muscle protein synthesis or like that you do on shitting on artificial or, or shitting on people who shit on artificial sweeteners, you would see that it does have its merits. Yeah, do you think, um, you, you said it's like not really for cutting or bulking, but I think you could uh, detach yourself from your decisions, yet still make, you know, decisions without, you know, guilt or whatever. Because the, the, the leanest I ever got was actually this last summer, and I didn't track a single thing. I was just over the stupid app. I've tracked millions of times over the last 10 years. Um and I can just know kind of that balance in my head and not feel guilt either way, not feel hungry either way. And it was actually probably the best mindset I've ever been with food because now it's bad again. I just had two devil my cares, but it was really good for a second. And uh, you know what I mean? Because I, I, I'm not a competitive bodybuilder. I didn't get shredded, but I got leaner than I've ever been by just kind of feeling it out. And that's kind of what I feel like is the dumb version of what intuitive eating may be. Yeah, like it, it's possible for Gen Pop to maybe gain some weight build some muscle or lose some weight on on intuitive eating kind of mindset um if you're doing anything competitive now we might have a different discussion would and you if, agree and if you're trying to do something extreme that, too yeah, you know yeah. if you're trying to lose yeah. more than 10 pounds or 20 pounds or whatever you know i yeah, think it's it, different. it takes a different approach 
So what, what true intuitive eating would, would tell us is that what's going to happen when you first remove all restrictions from foods and kind of remove that mindset of I need to lose, whatever, and you just really truly eat to your intuition, if you lose weight or if you gain weight or if you stay weight, whatever happens with your weight, that is kind of your body taking you towards your natural settling point. So, you know, like we've all been maybe a little bit like leaner than, than, than comfortable and like y- y- you have low energy, you're thinking about food all the time and you just get into a, a position where you're not in a really good relationship with food. If you were to just remove all food restrictions, you're going to gain weight and you're probably going to go towards what's more of, of your natural settling point. If you are maybe on a bulk um, and you go on intuitive eating, you're probably going to end up losing weight because your body's really not all that comfortable being there. Um, so if, if, if you were to truly, truly, truly apply intuitive eating and not think like, okay, this has low calories or high calories or whatever, and you lose or gain weight, that's just your body kind of gravitating you towards where you're naturally supposed to be. Other than that, like if you're, if you are making the decision of, Hey, I'm going to eat like egg whites for breakfast, a salad for lunch, and I'm going to eat maybe some like fish with, with just a small amount of rice for dinner because these have low, they have low calories, but I'm not going to track those calories. That's not intuitive eating. That's just not tracking macros. That's still kind of like putting caloric restriction upon yourself. That's still having some type of of dietary restriction, but just not tracking macros. And that's kind of like where intuitive eating starts to get kind of a bad rap or, or people kind of start to get confused on it because people will try to like intuitively bulk or intuitively cut. And just like by definition, if you are trying to, to bulk bulk or cut, that's not intuitive. Do you think uh, it's possible to intuitive eat without going through some of these processes to begin with? Like, um, you know, you just grab someone off the street right now that's never worked out. They don't even know what like being hydrated is. They're not sleeping well um, because all those factors play so much into our mental state, let alone how hungry or not we are. If you take someone who's never lifted and you just start throwing them into powerlifting, like I remember when I was just like deadlifting my face off, like I was so I'm fucking exhausted. hungry so afterwards. Hungry, yeah. You oh, know, yeah. like and so like I'm just eating everything in sight because my body probably needed some of that. I'm doing a two hour long deadlift session twice a week like some of that happens and if you've never done that you don't know how to control those right and same thing like you talked about being attached or unattached to calories do you think some people have to go through maybe some kind of cut bulk tracking or lifting uh to even get to an intuitive type spot the interesting part about what you just said is that in pretty much all literature where people are asked to uh, be on a, a weight training protocol for the first time and they're not asked to modulate their calories or just ask, hey, just track these calories, people will, will start eating more and they won't really gain any body fat. It's just people who kind of like, yeah. they will feel, hey, I'm hungrier. I need to support this muscle growth because you do. Muscle growth is kind of an energy expensive process. Um, I think where it kind of starts to break down when just grabbing someone off the street is the fact that we live in, in, in a world where foods are just so hyperpalatable. So let's say, for example, I, you're not very hungry right now. I can, give you, uh, I, can, I can give you like a Twinkie and give you like 300 calories within like, I don't know, like maybe four bites of food. I think that if we, we start to apply these things to like, okay, well, let's, let's get people and let's get them to eat just, you know, more wholesome, less processed foods. And then we put them through, through like an intuitive eating. That, that's when we can like grab someone off the street and be like, okay, well, eat these foods. Like eat the chicken, rice, broccoli, oatmeal, whatever. Eat, eat, eat as much as you want of these foods. And then I think if they do that, that's when they'll be able to kind of like intuitively eat without, you know, really putting themselves through, through the grinder and having to go through a bulk or a cut. Um, refrigeration but like, made hey. us fat refrigeration if we're a little <laughs> oh house goodness. on the prairie yeah. yeah if we're a little house on the prairie i'm freaking shredded and into- fully <laughs> intuitive i'm moving hay around in the morning and eating a little bit of wheat 
But the life we live in, yeah, like you said, there's delicious food everywhere. It's cheap as shit. You can get a freaking... Very low volume. Yeah, very, yeah. very calorically dense. Yeah, you get a 400-calorie Coca-Cola at McDonald's for a dollar and a 300-calorie McFlurry for two, $2. Sweet tea is like a buck or whatever. Yeah, you're fucked. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks, commercialism, capitalism. You killed me. So I think that... That, that's kind of where it starts to break down. And I think that in the world that we live in right now, pr- people probably have to do something to become informed of food. Like either look at food labels and kind of start start to like develop an idea in your head or maybe track for a little bit and then don't. But something needs to be done in order for people to gain that nutritional education. Because if you, if, if you just like intuitively eat and really, really, really just listen to whatever the hell you, you are craving at that time, that's when you're going to run into issues. I do think that... We can't just just willy-nilly eat whatever. We do have to have some type of information about food that we can use to kind of guide us throughout the day. But that's not to say that if we do eat something that's super high calorie, we should ever feel guilty about it. Yeah, it's really hard because, um, you know, I think the biggest thing that I would recommend to people is like knowing what an actual like serving side or portion size may be. Uh, and that comes along with tracking, but you don't necessarily have to track to do that. If you just weigh or measure food for a little while and you understand what a portion of cereal looks like. And then, yeah, like you said, look at like some nutrition labels and just get an idea like, all right, this is an actual portion of cereal, not the salad bowl full of cereal because mm-hmm. one's literally like. 50 carbs let alone, uh, versus like 250 carbs, like a day's worth versus a meal's worth. Uh, and you start to understand that for a little while. Um, and it's hard because if you do try to get into these things, you're most likely maybe sadly in high school because, you know, the pressure of <laughs> trying to get laid uh, or or you're um, – in your 20s and 30s and start worrying about health, which seems to be very common. Laid. Yeah, uh, not getting laid anymore because you're busy <laughs> trying to build a career. Uh, and then you, but but the truth, yeah, you're, you're in college and getting fucking PhDs, you're fucked, but not by women. Uh, and then you're, uh, you have all these habits. You have, you have 18 years of habits that your parents built on you. Um, and most parents out there have no nutritional knowledge, you know? So a lot like, of them don't. And so whether they try to get you into whole foods, uh, unprocessed foods and, and, and eating well, habits are probably bad. You're at school drinking Mountain Dew all day. You're eating Doritos, playing Call of Duty. And maybe I'm just venting on my life and none of you can relate, but <laughs> that's what I think is very common here in America. Now, research shows you're probably correct. I think, too, just just in terms of kids and, and food, uh, I think that, that parents end up fetishizing food with their kids because they pay way a lot of attention to how much Getting them to eat, I guess, is the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A variety of foods and even just like or anything. To sit down, yeah. or, or, or anything. Oh, he only likes chicken nuggets. It's like, well, how about you not always give him chicken nuggets and give him something else and see if perhaps he gets hungry enough to eat that shit because he will. Yeah, because, yeah. because, I mean, intuitively, your body at some point is going to say, I should eat something, even if it's not something I, I particularly like. And hey, maybe this isn't so bad. I think that that, that kind of, uh, obsession among parents could, in my mind, uh, tend to lead toward uh, disordered eating patterns. Uh, there is some research to show that, especially with candy. And what, one thing that we were talking about with, with Sohi the other day, I, I do like psychology quite a bit. I have a couple of, of studies coming out in psychology, and, and what I was seeing was really interesting, is this concept of we, parents tend to sit their kids down, and it's like, okay, well, finish your plate. And so first of all, kids are saying, I'm full. And then parents are saying, no, eat. And then on top of that, most of the cases, hey, if you, it's, if you don't finish your plate, you can't have dessert. So it's like on top of forcing them to finish these calories that they are already too full, 
then we're giving them a reward from that and that reward is more calories yeah true that's true yeah uh if you don't eat your meat you can't have any pudding how can you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat <laughs> um <laughs> my wife has a terrible story about this being as a kid like she's probably seven eight years old and they were at a uh aunt and uncle's house and uh she took a kind of big plate of spaghetti and they're like, oh, you have to finish that or you can't have any pie. And so she slogs her way through it so that she can have the pie and the pie is like rhubarb pie, which she loves now, but when she was seven, eight years old, not a fan. So <laughs> Kills herself for a yeah. gross dessert. Yeah, exactly. And, and to a certain extent, like that, that's impacted her eating for the rest of her life. Yeah. She really doesn't like to be super full. Yeah, she well, like she eats small meals all the time for kind of that reason, or or like um, uh, not finishing food when you're a guest or something like that, being rude. Yeah, um, and I think it's still seen that way. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I always take oh, less yeah. than I really want to take, so that yeah, if it's nasty, I don't have to like. Well, even if it's not bad, it. if you're just full, yeah. if you're yeah. just full, like you can't stop. It, it comes off kind of rude, and they're gonna ask you like, "Oh, it wasn't good." Especially if it's something you haven't eaten before, you have no idea how yeah. you're gonna like it, or if your stomach's gonna like it, or if you're gonna feel really full fast from it, and you don't. You know, yeah, that, I mean, that's way. just what we're talking about right now is just America and a little sphere because everyone has like, well, Europe isn't fat. Like Europe doesn't have the social issues we have. Like our whole thing is like there's our society. Co- yeah, true. Well, there's fat people everywhere for sure. But you know what I mean? Or I don't want to dig into this, but people are talking about guns <laughs> or t- talking about suicide rates or talking about uh-huh. uh, prescription abuse. Like mm-hmm. America's leading the way in all these things. Go number one. But uh, the issue is, is that we have such a cultural bound to all these things, yeah. you know, of, of, of all the habits we just talked about or being a guest at some Someone's, um, and so it's not just as easy as a fix. It's like mm-hmm. if you, hypothetically we make everyone in America track their food for six months, uh, it may help for sure, but it's not going to fix our issues because they're no. so deep rooted. To, to what extent do you think that you were talking earlier about sort of a natural settling point in um, uh, body weight? To what extent do you think that uh, uh, intuitive eating might uh, support that or? Um, that those set points might actually cover for um, when people fall off of being exactly <laughs> intuitive, but their body just doesn't catch weight that that quickly. I mean, I personally, my weight's very sticky. It's super sticky. Like I can weigh exactly the same amount for a long period of time. And some of that, there's there's you know big meals in there, and there are small meals in there, and there's there's a lot of different things. And sometimes, like I will actually. I'll actually play with it and say, I can't, like, I'm not gaining, I'm eating stupid stuff and I don't gain any weight. What would it take to actually move it two or three, four pounds? You know? Right. I fell fell off my point, but I think you knew where I was going. (laughs) Yeah. I think that your body is actually quite good within like normal ranges at eating kind of what you, what, what you burn, especially if you are eating kind of, again, like more and more wholesome, less processed foods where you know, you don't heat two bites and, and there you go. There's like a thousand calories. Um, your body's actually quite good at, at, at regulating that. I think that if people are to stick to kind of foods that are more like na- more natural, like quote unquote, because I hate that term, then intuitively, eat, then intuitive eating can, can help quite a bit to stick within those set points. Because if, if you eat those foods, you are going to be able to kind of be like, hey, like I, I am realistically full right now versus going from like not from from being start, starving to like having eaten 5,000 calories without really allowing yourself to kind of go through the process of deciding, hey, like I'm, I'm quite full right now. Um, I think that 
there is also some some like some uh, uh, kind of like behavioral psychology, some what, whatever that, that kind of goes into this. Where to some people, even if they acknowledge the fact, hey, like I'm full right now, they're still going to eat because there's just some deep rooted behaviors or some calling me out, buddy. Issues, <laughs> <laughs> right? And like it, it can be like a conscious thing. Like you mm. might know. Well, I know that I that I'm full right now, but for whatever learned reason this is going to help me feel better. So I think that that's, that's one area where kind of like intuitively eating really won't matter is if you kind of make the conscious decision of I am eating right now to make myself feel better. But at that point, like neither intuitively eating or tracking macros is going to matter because like if you're tracking macros, you'd probably be like, okay, well, screw macros. I need to feel better anyways. Um, but within like, if we're assuming that the person is, is, in, is kind of in a, in a normal emotional state, if they are eating kind of, you know, quote unquote, healthy foods, natural foods, whatever people want to call them without offending anyone or getting called out on Instagram. Um, <laughs> Fuck those people, buddy. Speak your mind. I'm changing <laughs> like, shit in 2020. You, we're not, we're offending all everyone. We're coming for all heads. <laughs> I hate how you can't say healthy food anymore without getting called out. It's like, shut up, man. Like, what are you, a far. fucking human broccoli? <laughs> Fuck yourself. You can't be offended. I remember I remember years ago now uh, hearing a person who was a, let's say, a, a, an aesthetics person, a figure competitor or something like that. It's like, oh, I buy all my clean food or whatever. It's like, do you buy fucking dirty food somewhere else? Is, it, <laughs> is there an alley you go to for your dirty food? <laughs> Is there a taco truck someplace that like a dealer? Yeah, that yeah. doesn't clean doesn't doesn't have a pass uh, from the health department on it, or I don't know, bunch anyway, of idiots. Anyway, I'm sorry. I, go on. The cool thing about intuitive eating is that there's quite a bit of research, I think, and this is kind of where I take up some issue with people who just like blatantly ignore it to, to show that it can be quite beneficial for disordered eating and and with weight related problems. So, for example, there was there was a really cool study done in 2019 by Craven et al. Um, Essentially, what they showed is that intuitive eating could uh, attenuate the relationship that exists between weight-related shame and BMI. So Mm. basically, what these researchers found is that as people's BMI increased, their weight-related shame uh, tended to increase. And this was associated with with more binge-eating behavior. When these people were taught how to intuitively eat, as as they kind of got their intuitively eating tested out, they saw that actually, if people were eating intuitively, that almost removed the weight the weight related shame from the BMI. So even people who were who were really, really overweight, if they were really intuitively eating, that could help them to not have that shame. And then that caused them to to binge less and less because they were eating in a way that was less restrictive. Because to these people, it removed the power from food. Food wasn't valuable anymore. They weren't restricting food. So when something that caused them to feel shame happened, when something caused them uh, a little bit of stress. It wasn't, hey, I'm going to go gravitate towards food. It was like, no, I'm quite good with food. I don't really feel all that shameful about my, my food choices. Um, yeah, intuitive eating just kind of helps to really, really attenuate that. And I think that that's really, really powerful, especially when we deal with people who are, you know, uh, a little, have a little bit more body fat and they might feel a lot of shame towards that. If we kind of get them to use more of intuitive eating, they won't have as much stress around their, their, their weight and, and, and their food choices. It will just be a lot more kind of empowering to them. So in terms of just some, some takeaway here, somebody uh, who is not trying to uh, lose weight or not trying to gain weight, really, they're just trying to, to maintain, uh, how would they approach Intuitive eating. I think that the first way to approach it is just to really try to remove all, 
like really hard set rules that you have around food. I'm not saying to remove all knowledge that you have about food, but like if you, if you, for example, you say to yourself, okay, well, I'm not going to eat until 1232. I'm going to stop eating at like eight. I'm going to eat exactly five meals per day. I'm going to eat like 40 grams per day. Like just stop with that. What you need to do, <laughs> or not need to do, but if you want, if you want to intuitively eat, what you kind of should do is just eat when you feel hungry. Um, if you have some type of physicals, like let's say that, that you're like, okay, well, what, what if I want to build muscle? Every time you eat, make, make sure that you're having like like at least 20 to 40 grams of a high quality protein source. But like that should kind of be like, a, like that would be as, as strict as a guideline as I would be comfortable putting out there. Because if you are trying to, to maximize like muscle hypertrophy, that's probably something that you should do. Um, but other than that, try to eat the amounts that you feel like eating at that time. Um, at the times that you feel like eating and not really putting any hard set rules on the amounts or the times or the types of food, still trying to maintain some type of knowledge of what you're eating because we still have to uh, care about your health. So don't just be like, okay, well, I'm going to intuitively eat Pop-Tarts all day. Even if you maintain weight, that's still not going to be very healthy for you. So try to trying to eat like incorporate a variety of fruits and vegetables of different colors, get, get a sufficient amount of protein in. And then other than that, just kind of letting your, your hunger and, 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 and your nat- natural cravings almost dictate what you are going to be eating. Sounds, sounds simple enough. Hopefully, uh, hopefully some of our uh, listeners will try to get into this mindset and then give it a try and see what they, what they find and let us know. Yeah, and, and again, like what I'm promoting right now, what I'm speaking about isn't like the true blue intuitive eating where people get like caught up saying, no, like never pay attention to anything you're eating. No, this, is, this isn't that. But realistically, in this day and age, and for most of the listeners here who are going to have physicals, you can't just go around intuitively eating Pop-Tarts and, mm. and, and cereal and, and, and ice cream, <laughs> and you can't neglect protein. But, but you can work on disconnecting the emotional component of it both yeah, like no, using absolutely. food to solve your emotions or uh feel how you feel about what you what you ate and what it's doing to your uh to your to the scale right having any type of emotional response to food or using food for any type of emotional uh a support or or, or relief in any way shape or form which is quite hard to do because food is like, let's, let's be honest, eating food just kind of tends to make one happy. So, it sounds pretty mentally healthy if you can uh, if you can pull it off, but who of us is really that mentally healthy? <laughs> I, I, I've come, I think I've, I, I have come really, really, really close. So like, I think that other than still trying to get protein in, I pretty much eat intuitively because, mm. like, true, like, intuitive eating purists will say that, no, if you're trying to get protein in, you're not intuitively eating, but, like, through that, like, I don't really care if I fall in line with your classification. Yeah. Other than that, I, I pretty much eat intuitively. You kind of have to as a grad student. Like, you can't really be putting all that much thought into, into food anyways. Like, if someone's like, you have to meal prep right now, five meals, eat at exactly these hours, I'd be like, I have, like, ten papers to write. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. So how can people find you? Uh, people can find me on my Instagram, at mblacute. That is M-B-L-A-C-U-T-T on my website, miguelblacute.com. Um, and if you want some coaching, you can check out revivestronger.com. And once again, thank you guys for having me. I truly appreciate being on here. Awesome. Thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks uh, uh, for taking the time to chat with us. Um, if you guys want to follow me, sign on my 2Ks, Instagram, Twitter, follow the show, 50% Facts, Instagram. Uh, Give us a rating and review. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, tell me you love me. Tell your mom to listen to the show, your girlfriend, your sister, your boyfriend, your best friend, your husband, 
Uh, we appreciate you. Hope you're uh, staying safe during these traveling holidays. I am at the Jim McD on all the social medias, and we will talk to you next week.